Well, howdy. Hey, it's uh, so good to be here at Faithbridge. My name's Timothy Atik. I'm the director of Breakaway Ministries in College Station, and I always love every opportunity that we have uh, to be together. I want to start by telling you about something that happened several years ago when I was a student ministry pastor in Austin. We were having a weekend retreat for a bunch of middle and high school students, and we decided to take these students to play broomball. And if you don't know what broomball is, you basically go to an ice skating rink. You don't put on skates, but you run around and you try and kick a soccer ball. It's always like a recipe for a fractured wrist uh, that always happens at some point during the evening. But we were at this ice skating rink, we're playing broomball, and I'm just watching all of these middle and high school kids running around. And without me knowing it, One of the high school girls that was in attendance all throughout the evening was bending down in just accumulating ice. She would scrape it together and she was compacting it into an ice ball. And after she felt like she had compacted enough ice together, I guess she identified me as her target. And without me realizing what was happening, uh, she wound up and she threw this compacted ice ball as hard as she could directly at me and hit, hit me square between my eyes. Let me just say this wasn't a snowball, it was an ice ball. So my reaction was to instinctively bend down in excruciating pain, grabbing my face. And I'm just going to be honest, all I could think as I was bent over was cuss words. And some of y'all are like, aren't you a pastor? You're better than that. Hey, I'm a lot more mature now. Now I would just like Christian cuss in my head like, oh, my gentle Judas. But back then, it was different, all right? And so all I can think is things that I can't say uh, from the stage. And I am just bent down in excruciating pain And uh, I look up at this girl, and she has this look on her face like, I can't believe I just did that. But also, what's this guy going to do? Because this is like a spiritual role model for me. How is he going to respond? And as I look at her face, um, here's what I say to her. I say, hey, we're good. Everything's fine, and I'm okay. But inside, I'm screaming, it's not fine, I am not good, and it is not okay. And as I thought about that, I just wonder if that is anyone's experience in life right now. Like maybe you've gotten hit by something in life just square between your eyes, Maybe you've gotten hit by uh, losing a job, or maybe you've lost a loved one, or maybe you are dealing with a lot of uh, physical ailments. Maybe uh, your marriage is just a constant struggle. Maybe uh, things with your kids just aren't going how you think they should be going. I don't know what it is for you, but maybe it feels in life like you've gotten hit by something, and inside or to the world, you're walking around and you're coming into church and you're smiling and you're telling people when they ask the question, hey, how are things going? There's only one response to that question. Everyone always says, hey, things are good. No one's ever truly honest and said, well, it was hard to get out of bed this morning. Like I'm just barely making it. 
So maybe you walk around and you walk into church and you tell people, you know what, I'm good, I'm fine, everything's okay. But inside you know and you're very clear, you know what, I'm not fine. I'm not good. And things aren't okay. And so that's why this morning we're beginning a two-week series that we're calling Smiling Depression. Smiling Depression is... Uh, a real uh, phrase out there these days, which just simply means that you act like things are good when they're really not. And when you're actually struggling in life, we want to talk about that. And I don't know where you're at. Uh, Let's just say that the spectrum is, uh, if you're on the spectrum of I'm having a bad day or a week to I'm thinking about taking my life. If you're anywhere on the spectrum between those two things, I want you to know that these next two weeks are especially for you. So if you have a Bible, I want you to turn with me this morning to to the book of Job, chapter 3. Job, chapter 3, is where we're going to be today. We'll actually be in the book of Job the next two weeks. And uh, the reason that I love the book of Job is that it just shows us that Life not being okay is a part of the human experience. It really is. And so we get this guy named Job. He wasn't just hit with an ice ball. He was hit by an ice boulder, okay? This was a guy who just in a matter of days, he lost all of his family in a tragic accident. He lost his business, and then he loses his health. So this is a guy that if you're struggling, if life is painful, if life is disappointing or depressing right now, this is a guy who's been where you are. And so we can look into his life and we can learn from him. Where we find ourselves in Job chapter 3 is right after Job has gotten hit by all of this, um, by this massive storm. After he's gotten hit by this, he in a sense writes a song. And I love that because we, music often is the soundtrack to our lives and music can often articulate what we feel a lot better than we can articulate how we actually feel. So Job kind of writes a song and he just lets us in on how he really feels about life in this moment. So we're going to pick it up in verse 11. You can go back and read the first 10 verses if you want. I would encourage you just to see everything that Job's saying. I'll just fill you in the first 10 verses. He basically simply says, I wish I hadn't been born. So now you're caught up to verse 11. Uh, And if that gives you any indication of just how cheerful this song is, uh, here's what it says, verse 11. Why did I not die at birth? Come out from the womb and expire. Welcome to church. Jesus loves you. Aren't you glad you came this morning? Verse 12, why did the knees receive me or why the breast that I should nurse? For then I would have lain down and been quiet. I would have slept. Then I would have been at rest with kings and counselors of the earth who rebuilt ruins for themselves, or with princes who had gold, who filled their houses with silver? Or why was I not as a hidden stillborn child, as infants who never see the light? There the wicked cease from troubling, and there the weary are at rest. There the prisoners are at ease together. They hear not the voice of the taskmaster. The small and the great are there, and the slave is free from his master. Why is light given to him who is in misery? 
and life to the bitter and soul. Listen to this, who long for death, but it comes not, and dig for it more than for hidden treasures, who rejoice exceedingly and are glad when they find the grave. Why is light given to a man whose way is hidden, whom God has hedged in? For my sighing comes instead of my bread, and my groanings are poured out like water. For the thing that I fear comes upon me, and what I dread befalls me. I am not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest, but trouble comes." You know what I really appreciate? I appreciate that the Bible makes it clear that the feelings that you might be having right now are definitely um, real feelings and they, they absolutely can be a part of the human experience. The Bible makes room for these types of emotions. Anywhere on the spectrum between, you know what, I just wish that this day was over to, I wish my life was over. These types of feelings, the Bible makes room for them within the context of the human experience. And just think about what Job says in verse 26. Listen again to how he ends. He just says, I'm not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest, but troubles come. What's he saying? He's just simply saying, I'm not good. I am not okay. Things are not fine. And so I just wonder if there's anyone here this morning who's just willing to be honest and just say, okay, yeah, that's me. I'm not good. I'm not fine. Things are not okay. Let me just be honest with where I'm at. Let me stop faking it till I make it. Let me just be real with where I'm at in life. Life is not going how I wish that it would. And if you're here this morning and that's where you're at, let me just tell you, this this talk is going to look a little different than it normally does. We're not just going to walk verse by verse through a passage. What I want to do is I just want to get very practical with you this morning. We're absolutely going to use scripture to do it. But what I want to do, if you're anywhere on the spectrum between I'm having a bad day and I want to take your life, take my life, not my life, but your life, uh, If you're anywhere on that spectrum, I want to give you four choices that you need to consider. And uh, some of you are going to leave here and say, I just need to make the first choice. Some of you are going to leave here and say, I need to make all four choices that were given today. The first choice that you might need to make if life is, is distressing or disappointing or depressing, whatever it might be, the first choice you might need to make is you might need to choose to tell someone that that's the case. You might need to choose to tell. See, often when life isn't going well, when we're not good, when we're not fine, when we're not okay, our tendency is to bottle that up and tell no one. We feel like it's our responsibility to the world to just make everyone believe that we're okay when we're really not. And I just need you to know that that is one of the most unhealthy, unproductive, and unbiblical options that you can take to tell no one. I mean, think about what King Solomon said. 
King Solomon was the wisest person to ever walk the face of the earth besides Jesus Christ. And here's what he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. He says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Listen to this right here. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. And here's the rhetorical question, but how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Solomon is picturing two people that are on a journey together. And he says it's so much better to go through life together than to go through life alone. Because if you're on a journey and you fall, it's great if you have someone to help you up. Or if you lie down at night and it's warm, man, cuddling is biblical. You guys can get together and you can share body warmth and you can keep each other warm. But then he asks this rhetorical question, how can a person keep warm alone? He's saying, that's not possible. See, we have to be clear. Life can get extremely cold sometimes. Life can be bitter cold when a loved one dies or you're dealing with physical issues and you're sick or a loved one is sick or you lose your job or a breakup happens or divorce comes or your kids are really struggling in life. And maybe you can't even pinpoint what it is right now. Maybe it's just a cocktail of a bunch of different things. You don't like how you look right now. You feel lonely. You don't feel like you have any friends. And it's just all of these different things that are compounding to the point where you're just saying, I just don't feel myself right now. See, life can get extremely cold. And what's our tendency? Our tendency is to go somewhere and just shiver alone. And God's saying, you know what? I warm up my people with my people. The way I keep you warm is I surround you and insulate you with people who can care for you and know everything about you. So every single one of us needs a few people in our lives with whom it's okay to not be okay. We need few people with whom we can be fully known and fully loved and we can just shoot people straight and say, hey, let me just be honest with you. I'm not okay. Like, I'm not that fine. Life is not going that well right now. I need you to know it takes more, it, it, it is, it, it's an indication of a much stronger person, somebody who is willing to be honest when they're not okay. That's a much stronger person than someone who fakes it and says they're fine when they're not. It takes a lot more strength to be open and honest. I think about my nine-year-old son, Noah. There's just been a couple of times where he's come to cat me. He's just said, you know what? I don't know what it is, but I just feel kind of sad today. I'm like, man, thank you so much for telling me. Because you know what that does is it gives me the opportunity with Noah to be like, hey, man, well, let's just process what's going on. Did something, did something happen? I think about this time not too long ago where he came into my home office. He just said, dad, I don't know what it is, but I just kind of feel sad today. And I'm like, okay, man well, has something happened? Has something go on with your brother or something go on with friends? And, and the more we explore, you know what we pinpoint it was? He saw something on TV that scared him. And see, when you invite people into your life, when you make the choice to tell, you know what you do is you invite people in who can just say, hey, let's process what's going on in life. Is there something that has happened? Did someone say something to you? Did something happen at work? 
And when you're able to pinpoint it, then people can come around you and speak truth into your life and encourage you. The first choice that you might need to make is you just might need to choose to tell someone. The second choice that you might need to make is this. You might need to choose to fight. See, if you've gotten hit by something, then there's a war happening in your life. Something is coming against you, and you've got to go to battle against it. And life can be a fight. You have to be willing to fight for emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual health. The number one way to begin fighting is to spend time with the Lord. Spend time with the Lord. To each day when you wake up, before your feet even hit the ground, you just say, God, would you fill me with your spirit today? Because the same spirit that raised you from the dead lives inside of me now. So if that power is available, would you come and unleash your resurrection power into my life and help me to fight today? I would encourage you to take this book and open up to the book of Psalms. And I just want to encourage you to read one psalm a day. The reason that I love the book of Psalms is that it's just a collection of songs. And as I already said, songs are often the soundtrack of our lives. We love music. And so you got a guy like David who at times is like, I drench my bed with tears because he's so torn up. He looks at God. He's like, God, where are you? And we can read that and be like, okay, that resonates with me. So I would encourage you to take the book of Psalms. Don't put all of these unrealistic expectations on yourself that you're going to have these these hour, two hour long quiet times every day to get back on track. You know what? Read a Psalm a day and take the words of the Psalm and turn them into your prayers to God. And if something doesn't hit you in one psalm, just keep reading. They're short enough that I promise you it won't take you, but reading five, ten minutes and something's going to hit you and you direct that to God. And when you begin to pray the word of God, I promise you, you're going to feel some rejuvenation happening in your soul. I want to encourage you to journal. Like I'm not talking about having a diary. Man, I'm talking about having like leather-bound man journals. Like maybe you need to get one. And just every day, like just kind of write what's going on inside of you. One of the best things that you can do is get what is inside on the outside. And so I remember when when I felt like my life hit rock bottom right after college. Like I never was a journaler and I just prayed and asked God that he would open up the joy of journaling to me. And you know what I did is each night I'd just sit there and pour out my heart into this journal and it was extremely helpful. I want to encourage you to lean into gratitude. You know, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you. I want to encourage you to each day discipline yourself before you go to bed to think of three things that you can be thankful for that day and share it with your spouse if you live with someone. Gratitude, you know what it does is it reminds you of the good things going on in your life. And sometimes we just need to remember that not everything is bad. And at least a few things have gone right today. Some of you just need to get some sleep. I mean, let's get real. Some of you, the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. 
and I'm not joking. According to the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute, studies show that sleep deficiency alters activity in some parts of the brain. If you're sleep deficient, you may have trouble making decisions, solving problems, controlling your emotions and behavior, and coping with change. In a study done by the Mental Health Foundation, people who didn't get enough sleep were four times as likely to suffer from a lack of concentration. Ha- they have relationship problems, and three time- they're three times more likely to be depressed and 2.6 times more likely to commit suicide. According to the American Sleep Association, you need seven to nine hours of sleep. You're like, a week? No, A night. <laughs> a night. You need it. Some of you just need to hear it. Turn off the TV, go get in bed, because you need it. And your well-being depends on it. Maybe you need to, you need to exercise. If, if you're struggling in life, try and see as much daylight as possible. Eat right. Don't eat your feelings. It'll just make you feel worse. But make sure you are eating. And then some of you just need to simplify during this season of life. You need to shed some things from your calendar because there's some uh, pressures on your life right now and you might just need to get rid of some of those pressures so that you can focus on just, just your own personal health and well-being. The third choice that you might need to make is this. You might need to choose to go. So we've said you might need to choose to tell You might need to choose to fight. Now I'm telling you, you might need to choose to go. And what I'm talking specifically about here is you might need to choose to go and see a medical professional. Because see, I just spent a little bit of time encouraging you on specific ways that you can choose to fight. And some of you guys were hearing that list of of exercising or eating or reading the Bible or whatever, and you're hearing that and you're like, I can't do that. Like even for you to get here this morning felt like you were climbing a mountain. If when I just shared everything that I did, you were like, it feels like I'm constantly climbing a mountain, but I'm stuck at the bottom of it. If that's you, we might need to, you you might just need to be aware that there's more going on in your body right now. Let me just fill you in on some of the key indicators of clinical depression. Consistent low mood, meaning you feel low, sad, or empty most days. Diminished interest or pleasure in most or all activities. Significant changes in appetite. You are either eating too much or too little and experiencing rapid weight loss or weight gain. Sleep disturbance. Either you can't sleep or you stay asleep or you sleep too much. Low energy and motivation, you consistently struggle to get going and feel fatigued. Feelings of worthlessness or excessive guilt, difficulty concentrating and making decisions or reoccurring thoughts of death. If you've been exhibiting any of these symptoms consistently for two weeks or multiple symptoms consistently for two weeks or more, then I would strongly encourage you to go see a medical professional because here is what we need to realize. And I need all eyes on me and I hope you don't miss what I say right now. Our tendency is to spiritualize everything. And let me just be clear, everything in life 
has a spiritual component to it. But when I say our tendency is to spiritualize everything, what I mean is our tendency when someone is struggling in life and when someone is down, we just say, you know what, you just need to pray more. You just need to read your Bible more. But what that person is thinking is, I would if I could, but I can't. And our tendency is to say, you know what, you just need to be strong, pull yourself up, and you just need to pray more. That's the answer. But what we are failing to realize when we say that is we're failing to realize that there's not just a spiritual component, there is actually also a physiological component. And there are times where the brain and the body do not operate how the brain and the body should. And if you disagree with me, I'm just going to be honest. You can email me. I will not respond because the reality is, is you are not fully informed on how the brain and the body can function sometimes. And I'll just speak from my own personal experience. My personality leans towards anxiety and depression. And so I have gone to a medical doctor before to talk to them about how I'm feeling. And you know what I did is I sat with Uh, with a doctor who is a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. Like each time I would go and sit with him, I felt like I was sitting in a Bible study and I'd leave there and be like, yeah, like I'm gonna, I don't just feel better physically, like I'm gonna go after Jesus a little bit stronger because of my time with this doctor. And when I sat with him the first time, I said, look, I don't wanna get on medicine because look, I'm a pastor and I just, this feels like a spiritual issue. And he said, TA, it is a spiritual issue, but you need to understand that there's also a physiological issue at play. And so he prescribed medicine for me and here's what he told me. He said, taking medicine doesn't eliminate the problem. He said, we're not copping out of anything right now. He said, but TA, if you feel like you're having to climb a mountain in life, the medication is simply going to make the mountain a little bit smaller so that you can function a little better. But T.A., you better be pressing into the Lord. You better be spending time with him. You better be reading the word and you better be praying. But you are going to benefit from some medication that is simply going to help you get going where you need to go. And so I'm not telling you in here that you need to get on medication. That isn't my answer. What I am telling you is, is you might need to be open to going to see a medical professional. You might just start with your primary care physician. You might just tell them how you're feeling and ask for their thoughts. I will say this. I will say that medication prescribed by the hands of wise, experienced, and discerning medical professionals can actually be a gift from God. Okay? So I just, I just want to be honest with you this morning about where I've been and what I believe really is true. So I've encouraged you that you might need to choose to tell. You might need to choose to fight. You might need to choose to go. And then the fourth choice that you might need to make is you might need to choose to live. I said, if you're anywhere on the spectrum between I'm having a bad day to I'm thinking about taking my life. And so let me just say, and I talked about suicide about a year ago at this same time last year. And so if you need to go back and listen to that message, if you're dealing with suicidal thoughts or tendencies right now, I wanna encourage you to go back and listen to that message. But let me just say, some of you in here might need to choose to live another day. Listen to what 
the, the opportunity Job had. I mean, listen to what his, his wife tells him. After everything falls apart, listen to what it says in verse 9 of chapter 2. His wife said to him, do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did not sin with his Lips. You know what his wife was doing? She was trying to encourage Job to commit spiritual suicide. If Job curses God, then God might take Job out. So she's just saying, just take your life. It's not worth it anymore. And what, a, what decision did Job make? You know what? He chose to live another day. He believed that suicide was an illegitimate way of dealing with legitimate pain and despair. But suicide is a real issue. In America, someone attempts suicide once every minute. Someone completes a suicide in the U.S. every 17 minutes. Worldwide, about 2,000 commit suicide each day. And so you might be sitting here, and you might be thinking, you know what, I could be one of those statistics. And so if that's you in here, if you're at that point where you have begun to kind of turn that corner towards, you know what, it might just be better if I wasn't here anymore, then I just want to remind you of three things real quick before we end today. The first thing that I want to make sure you know is this, God wants you to live and so do I. God wants you to live and so do I. God wants you to live and so do I. Listen to what David says in Psalm 139 verse 16. He says, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. Do you, do you see what David's saying? He's saying that God determined my birth date and my expiration date, that God is the one who determines that. It's not our decision, it's his. God has established your birth date and expiration date. Do not play God in your own life. What does Jesus say in John 10.10? He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it to the full. What does Jesus do? He, He gives death. He gives that credit to the thief. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Death belongs to the thief. Jesus says, but I came that you might have life and have it to the full. So here's the message of Christianity. Jesus Christ came and died so that you could go and live. That's the message of the gospel. Jesus died so that you could live. All the way back in the book of Genesis, God breathed the breath of life into Adam's nostrils. That breath of life is never meant to be taken at our own hands. God wants you to live and so do I. The reason that I say so do I is simply because you might need to hear from a human being that someone cares You know what the interesting thing is? Nearly half of people who commit suicide never tell anyone that they're going to do it or thought about doing it. But the crazy thing is, the reason they don't tell anyone is because they don't think anyone cares. But you won't know if anyone cares until you tell someone. God wants you to live and so do I. Second thing I want to make sure you know is this. The end of your pain is the beginning of someone else's pain. I feel just look me in the eyes. If this is you, I just want you to hear me say this. No one's life will be better with you gone. Period. 
No one's life will be better with you gone. You need to understand the end of your pain will be the beginning of someone else's pain. You know, I don't know if you've ever had that thought, like, if I were to die, like, I wonder who would come to my funeral. I don't know if you've ever had that thought. Like, I don't know if that is a possibility in the afterlife. I can't point to anywhere in the scripture which would lead me to believe that you get to kind of be a witness to your own funeral. But I'll say this, if you were to if you were able to see your own funeral, I promise you, I think you'd be surprised by two things. The first thing I think you'd be surprised by is how many people came. I think you'd be surprised by how many people actually cared. And then the th- second thing I think you'd be surprised by is just how hurt people were by your decision. I've had to officiate two funerals, both of kids uh, that were 21 and under, and I've had to look into the eyes of parents who are hollow inside, wondering what in the world happened. I assure you, the end of your pain will be the beginning of someone else's pain. Some of you guys hear that, and just real quick, let me just speak to this. Some of you might hear that and think, good. I want the end of my pain to be the beginning of this person's pain because this person has hurt me. This person has abused me. This person has done this to me. I want to hurt them, but I just need to make sure you know that your decision to take your own life, it's not a DM. It's not a direct message. It is a final post to your story, and the whole world has to see it and deal with it. And then the last thing that I want to make sure you know is this. What you feel today will not be what you feel forever. It won't. Your life is more than this moment. The book of your life has more than just this one page. Chapters end, new ones begin. Dying isn't better than all the moments that your life entails. I promise you, things change. See, we have to remember that suicide is often an impulsive yet permanent and irreversible attempt to deal with unbearable yet temporary pain. So I just think about what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 116, verses three through nine. Listen to what the psalmist says. He says, the snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called in the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. And my hope is that Psalm 116 might in some way be a soundtrack for your life today where you say, I will not die. I will live. I will choose to live. Lord Jesus, deliver my soul today because things can change. Things will change. I want to just take a moment and just let you be encouraged by the story of one of your fellow friends here at Faithbridge. And what you're going to see from Lauren's story is you're just going to see someone who made some of the choices that we're talking about this morning. So take a moment and be encouraged by Lauren's story. My name is Lauren Dean, and I've been going to Faith Bridge for three years. 
After I graduated college, I moved to Russia for two years where I was working with college students and um, sharing the gospel. It was a blast. It was like the time of my life. And then when I came back, I um, was in a relationship and that ended like five days after coming home. And I felt like I was at a really low spot. And I had like a panic attack one night. I was trying to sleep and it was like these thoughts were just like bombarding me of, how am I gonna make it? I was also starting to really feel more of the effects of anxiety, which I didn't I didn't even know was a thing. Um, I lost a ton of weight and then my body started just like hurting constantly. It was really severe. It was um, like my whole body would ache and uh, that, that started becoming my new normal of just waking up and realizing like, okay, I'm already in pain. I already had all these negative thoughts um, about like myself and about my future. And then it would last all day long and I would like repeat this cycle. Nothing really seemed fun anymore. I wasn't the same. I couldn't laugh, I, I couldn't sleep. Um, and so my mom said, I think you need to call someone and I think you need to get help. And that was a really humbling moment for me um, to pick up the phone and call a psychiatrist and to like admit to myself that I needed help. My anxiety and depression had been going on for about a year and that just felt so defeating that I was still in the same place. And I just kind of would look in the mirror and think like, what has happened to me? This is like, this isn't me. I was putting on like a happy face for people and like trying really hard to um, lead when I knew that I was working out of a place of deficit with my depression and anxiety, kind of like leading a vacation Bible school and wondering like, I don't even experience like the fruit of the spirit that I'm talking about with these kids. I mean, I told my parents at one point like, I just need someone to know like, I don't wanna be here anymore because I'm in so much pain. And that scares me to say that, but I wanna be honest with you guys that I don't have a plan, but I just don't wanna be here. But God was so kind and he um, had me meet my husband, Matt. And Matt is the one who suggested that I get involved with discipleship. Those women were so transparent and they, they knew what it was like to feel depression and to be able to talk about it openly. Um, it was just like a huge relief. It was just an amazing um, introduction to the community, community that I was really longing for. We started going through the book Recovering Redemption by Matt Chandler. And in that book, um, Matt talks about all of us as humans are broken and how Jesus is offering us a way out, but we have to choose it. And I knew all of that growing up. I knew it like the back of my hand, but my eyes were open to realizing if I want my life to change, I have to say yes to what's being offered. Like that morning, like on the couch, reading through that Bible study, say like, God, I'm tired of like living this life where I'm not putting really any effort into a relationship with you. And I'm miserable, like I'm really miserable the way I am and I really want change. And I know that my story is, is different than some people and I wanna acknowledge that depression looks different for everyone. Um, 
But I know that my, my mindset was so focused on myself and I was so focused on all the negatives and all of the, the lies that I could no longer hear truth. And once I was able to see it for what it was, I was like a new person is what I felt like. The truth really did set me free. I just can't think of anything else but to say like, I'm grateful, like I'm so thankful. That my life is so different, you know, it's like, it's... Sometimes like I don't even recognize myself as like a night and day. It hasn't always been easy. Um, ever since that time period, I still have problems and difficulties. Like relationships can be hard, work can be really hard, and yet it's so different than the way I used to approach it. Like I pray now, I'll say something like, Holy Spirit, I am about to give in to despair. Would you please help me and fill me with joy? Because I know that the power that I need to get out of a depression, depressing moment or out of um, envy, whatever it is I'm struggling with, I know that the power really lies in the Holy Spirit and not just like trying to find it somewhere in myself. I can fall back on and always remember and believe the truth that like God has been faithful in the past and He's going to be faithful again. I think that's why I love living now because every day it's like there's something to live for, like there's hope. You know what I love about Lauren's story is I don't know if you heard her say it, but she said Jesus was offering me a way out, but I would have to choose it. She made a choice, and you hear it throughout the video. She chose to tell. She chose to fight. She, she chose to go and seek out professional help, and she chose to live. I love that. The other thing that I love about Lauren's story is that not, nothing is perfect. In life, like you even hear, like since that time, there's still choices she have to, has to make. There's still struggles in life, but life is different for her. And so, just from Lauren to you, would you join her on this journey of pursuing joy and wholeness? I don't know where you're at on the spectrum between I'm having a bad day and I'm thinking about taking my life, but the best thing that I can tell you this morning is simply this, Jesus has been where you are today. Listen to what Matthew 26, verse 38 says, when Jesus finds himself in the Garden of Gethsemane, moments before he's about to be arrested, here's what it says. Jesus says this to his friends, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus has been where you are today. And yet, what do we see him praying in the garden? He prays, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Would you make the same choice this morning? Would you allow yourself to come before God and say, God, on, uh, on the spectrum, man, I'm having a bad day, or life is depressing, or I'm thinking about taking my life, but God, not my will, but your will be done in my life, would you make a choice? Would you choose to tell? Would you choose to fight? Would you choose to go? Would you choose to live? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, only you truly know the hearts of every person in this room. And I'm just thankful that even coming into this place, we have, we have 
dressed up and we've tried to present ourselves in the best possible way. And yet you see below the surface of our lives and you know exactly what we're feeling. And so for many of us, we're just inwardly saying, I'm not okay. I'm not fine. Things are not good. And you see that. And you move towards us, that you brought us this, to church this morning just to move towards us. This message is from you just saying, I see you and I'm with you this morning. And so I just pray for my friends here in this room. And I pray, God, that you would give us the strength we need to move towards joy and hope. Thankful, Jesus, that you died on the cross and you rose from the dead so that we might live. And so, and I thank you, God, that your resurrection power lives inside of us and gives us the strength that we need to take a step. And so I just pray that we would be people this morning who are willing to take a step, whether it's just choosing to tell someone today that we're not fine, or just choosing to fight, to go to, go to battle in some practical ways, or for some of us just choosing to go and get medical help, or for others choosing to live another day. We need your help, Lord God. We're going to respond right now. The band's going to lead us in a song, and we're going to sing it as well together. But as the band leads and as, as, as we sing, this is an opportunity for us to just do business with the Lord. And I just want you to know that we have some pastors and staff down here, down front. If you need to talk to someone or pray with someone, if you want to choose to tell even right now, then we would love to just be a helping hand, someone to just come alongside you and pray for you and strengthen you and encourage you before we send you out. So if that would be helpful for you, just know that that is available as we respond now. But let's, let's stand together and let's sing to our God who gives us hope and joy this morning.